One of the elements of a business plan is a business model. It's a plan that describes how you create value, how you deliver products to customers, who are the customers, and then how do you pay for all this? And so hopefully what we're gonna do is we're gonna do eight elements of a good business model today. The hope is that you understand your business more. The more you can understand your business, the more you can run an effective business. Hey everybody and welcome to the Wedding Film School Show. My name is Jared and today we have another awesome episode. We have an awesome episode every single week, but this is an especially awesome episode because we are kicking off the very first in a very dense series uh, we are calling um, your business plan sucks. Uh, as usual, I have uh, my co-host, Mr. Jason McCutcheon. Hey, Jay. Hey. So um, we're just going to kind of get into the topic today, actually, because it's a lot to talk about. Yeah. So we might be a little formatted, like a little different during this series because we're still trying to work out how to get this content in. Th there's a lot to this series, and, and it is... I keep on just using the word dense over and over and over again because I think it's hard for a lot of creatives, especially a lot of wedding filmmakers, to really wrap their head around, oh yeah, I'm also running a business. In, in addition to being an artist, I'm also trying to figure out how the heck to make money, how the heck to maybe make this part-time gig a full-time gig. And so, and also, I haven't gone to business school. There's a million excuses why people maybe won't um, seek out like a actual kind of business plan because it's hard, right? Well, I was thinking about it and I was like preparing for this episode and, and I kind of arrived on a, something we do that I think has helped us be successful, but also something that it's very non-intuitive for the average creator. Like we're going through like eight questions you need to ask yourself to create a good business model. And that's what today's episode is. Your business model sucks, right? Because you don't have one. <laughs> and I think at the end of the day, we were talking about like, most people start their business because like you said it last in the last um, episode about in the series, which was like, we start their business to do what they love. And so their business starts with this product in mind. I want to make this, you know, this makes me happy. I want to make this or I want to sell it for this much money or, or whatever. And a business model will actually tell you what to make. It, it's not the opposite. And I think a lot of people start with, this is what I want to make. Who can I sell it to? A business model will say, this is where the customers are. What are their needs? What do I need to make to meet their need and how much they're willing to pay for it? And it, it works the opposite. And I think the number one issue I see with creatives is like, they're so, how do I say this in a nice way? We're from New England. We don't say anything nice. That's true. They're like very self-centered in that like, it's all about what they want to do. Even when they talk about their customers, like I've heard people say something like, well, what I offer my customers is a relationship. And I'm like, actually no you're delivering photos and videos like no one is buying a relationship with you that's part of how you get the photos and videos that you want they're not buying a relationship they're buying photos and videos like we can get down as much as we want but at the end of the day if you don't give them a photo and a video and you just hang out with them they're not going to be like 
what a great experience working with that person who never gave me a photo or a video. Or if you're late, like try being three months late on your deliverable and see how hanging out with them. And these are all fine. They're good things to do. I'm all about people saying part of my brand is the experience you have working with me. But it's the, it's the, that should be the result of determining your client's needs. Your processes should be the result of determining what your clients expect versus the opposite, which I think often ends up happening, which is this is what I feel like doing. Who wants to buy it? Mm-hmm. That yeah. works sometimes too, but it's not the right way to build a business model. I think of selfishness and, and I think you're right. I, I don't know if that's the right. I said self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. Yeah, sure. Cause that was a nicer. <laughs> well, it's also well, like, it's uh, not, they're not selfish. They just are only thinking about themselves when they make sure. their product. Well, I, cause I look at that and I say, yeah, because yeah. I want to make money. Yeah. I am thinking about myself because well, I want to make money. And so it, I think it's more wrapped up in ego, yeah, right? The world revolves around them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, Even it's about business. It's about ego as opposed to like self-centeredness because running a business, I mean, you have to be self-centered in that you're like, I want to make more money. I'm thinking about my business. I'm not thinking about anyone else's well, business. Well, like so, I quite literally but, mean like they're the sun and the world revolves it's around the ego. It's, it's the ego. They're the center. Yes. This is the, and it's like, well, no, your customer is the center. Yeah, sure. Your, your business, your business is rotating around customer demand. Yeah. So before we dive too much deeper, can, can we talk a little bit about, cause we did an episode a couple weeks ago about why your business plan sucks. Now we're no, saying why your business model mm-hmm. sucks. So can you talk a little bit about what the differences between the two are before we really do a deep yeah, dive into yeah. business, you know, model? Yeah. One of the elements of a business plan is a business model. And so a business model, I got this from some different definition thing on the internet when it says a plan for successful operation of a business, identifying source of revenue, the intended customer base, products, and details of financing. So what's that mean for, for me? Basically, um, it's a plan that describes how you create value, how you deliver products to customers who are the customers, and then how do you pay for all this? When you say it like that, right? It's like, well, of course you have to have that. But like, a lot of people, and, and this is what I will say before we get going, I don't want you to feel like a huge failure because probably you actually do have this. So before we head down the path of talking about your business model and you start thinking like, I don't have this, how I, I'm a failure, I can't be doing this. You probably actually have a business model. You just don't know it. And so hopefully what we're going to do is we're going to do eight elements of a good business model today. And hopefully they'll help you kind of actually figure out what you're doing and, and how you think. And maybe you can do some tweaks, but that, that's what we're going to be doing today. Yeah. And th- the point, right, of all of this, because I think this can very easily become something that's like, oh, you're just doing it for the sake of it existing. And it doesn't really have a point outside of like, you know, saying that, oh, I have a business plan, I have a business model. The hope is that you understand your business more. The more you can understand your business, the more you can run an effective business. So by actually labeling things a certain way and and being able to um, make subtle tweaks between these eight different elements, the more you can understand that your business, the more you can have an efficient, effective, well-maintained running business at the end of the day. Well, and I'm gonna say this, stop doing crap you hate. Stop doing crap that loses money. Stop doing crap that doesn't produce value for the customer. There is so many, I've been around a lot of wedding creatives and 
there are so many things that happen in photo video businesses that don't produce cast cust they don't produce customer satisfaction they don't produce money they don't produce happiness in the business owner yeah I, what you said something there D stop doing stuff that you hate and i would say there's a lot of things in my business that i really hate doing but every time i come across them i'm like how can i figure out a way in my business model that avoids these kind of conversations conflicts whatever like, and, and so you're always tweaking. So just because you write them down on a piece of paper today doesn't mean they will be solved. It's no. an evolution. It's, it's, you're always going to be working on your business. Yeah. Model. I would say this is a living, this yes. is a living document. Yes. And I will, and I should say this, stop doing stuff you hate that doesn't produce client satisfaction and money, mm -hmm. yeah. right? There are things that you're doing that you hate that actually don't help anyone, including you. Yes, yes. So and that I think is your main your main point. Yeah, with, with yeah, saying yeah. That, I mean, I think it's a good point. Do things that you hate that you have to do, mm -hmm. and try to figure out a better way to do them. But like, don't be a baby about it. Like you're running a business, so yeah. no we're, one likes doing emails. We have to do them. Yeah, we're we're gonna hop into to these eight points, but before we do, because I I think this will be a helpful definition. Um, can you talk about the difference between customer and client and why you like the word customer a lot in, in these kind of eight topics? This is going to be maybe hard for some people to relate with, but client is very personalized word. It's, it's humanized word. Client is like humanizing a customer, right? And it's good. You need to do that at some point. Like when you get a customer, they're your client, mm -hmm. right? But it's one of those terms we use to produce these micro effective business models that work for individuals. And it, I don't like it because for me, I'm thinking about like a giant pile of numbers. These are my customers. I'm delivering a product, a service for them. I want to deliver value to this group of people, you know. And so I think like thinking about people as like they're purchasing something from you and you have an obligation to deliver something to them. I don't think it's totally ineffective, but I, I just never hear people use the word customer. They always say client. And and I think like, well, yeah, a customer, client, I, I think getting a little more um, consumery in our language in our industry would help us. I heard somebody talk about it the other day, like, you're not making a commodity. I am not a commodity. Okay, you are not a commodity. You're a human being. So of course you're not, and you're an artist and all that good stuff. But the thing you're giving them I said it, it's actually less than a commodity. Like a commodity is more valuable than any photo and video you could ever You could take. go to the store and sell a commodity. Yeah, a commodity. You couldn't, you couldn't go to, to you know, a, a store or Amazon and sell somebody's random wedding film. Because <laughs> it's, it's not valuable it, to anyone but that one couple. Think of it this way. If an apocalypse happens, will anyone be like, how are you going to survive as a society without wedding photos and wedding videos? No. No one will think about that if war breaks out. Maybe someday humans will make this decision again to bring back wedding photos and videos. But I promise you, like water, food, internet, heat, like these Amazon are commodities, Prime. right? Yeah. And, and so like you're just delivering a luxury, which is great because luxuries are the most high margin products. That's awesome. So like you can't, there's no such thing as price gouging on luxury. You could just say like this car is worth 200 grand. If you can't afford it, too bad. Like. That you're making that, but you have a client and a customer that's out there that has money and needs and they like perceive needs yep. and they want to give you this money. So thinking about the client first, the customer segment really is what your business should be based on, not this relationship you want to have with the customer. Mm -hmm. 
um, even though that's part of it. I think like I, I heard someone say the other day, oh, I just want customer, I want clients that I like hanging out with. I don't, okay. <laughs> it's not how I would build my business model. Yeah, it's but. like it's low down on the list for for me. I think because at the end of the day, it's like I I at first priority is just put food on the table, make money, and then make art that I like, and then hang out with people I like. I'm like, nah, great if it happens, but also I deal with people that I don't like. I would actually say the majority of couples, I'm like. These rich a holes. I don't want to spend any time with these people most well, of the time. I said it, the other and that's okay. <laughs> that is okay. It's just not part of your business model. And like, it's just my opinion. This isn't going to be the show for you if you want like touchy feely people. If you want, we're just going to talk to you about running a business the right way as a wedding filmmaker. And like, in the middle of all that, you're going to find customers you like. But like, here's my opinion: a real artist will make art regardless of if they're getting paid. So the artistic side of you shouldn't be exclusively serviced by the business side of you yeah you should be willing to make art no matter what you should be out there just creating art because you love it so like we're talking about running a business so if you want to talk about creating art just go create art do whatever you want we're here talking about a business so do you want to get into yeah real quick before we do i I just want to circle back to your your client for first customer because i do think that's an important thing thinking about sales and really driving sales when you can talk about hey these are customers that we're serving i would say there there's a difference between outward facing language and then inward facing language. Like when you and I are talking, we're like the customer, you know, does this, this and this. We've always really said the client, but I think we're starting to talk more that way. Like, hey, the customer. And then I don't even call my customers um, a client to their face. I say, hey, the couple, that's our language, external language. Like, you know, hey, every couple, we want them to feel like they have you know, a say in their wedding film. I never say every customer has a say in their wedding film. Like, so there can be a difference there, but internally when we're talking as a family, like as wedding filmmakers, I think it is important because we're talking about business here, guys. Like we're talking about actually selling a product, making money so that you can have a successful creative business. So, well, and um, also like, I think talking, it is a good point. We're talking about the things that frustrate you. And if you try to solve problems on it, wedding by wedding basis, you'll never get to the point. Like if you're like, oh, this client or this client or this, every client's different. So like there could be things that happen with one client that will never happen again. Mm -hmm. And you can make this pivot in your business to try to avoid it. And I'm like, don't do that. Like, like just, you should be basing your business structure on a business plan that's designed to get you the end result you want. So let's, let's get into what this is. Yeah. So here are the eight elements needed to create a successful business plan for a wedding creative. I think this works for any business really, but we kind of tweaked it a little. Um, I'm going to put a little link to the article that we used, which has nine elements and and I I don't want to give credit where credit is due. Um, But we kind of tweaked it a little to I think fit better this um, more what I think is actually a wedding creative. So some of the things we're going to mention are maybe not the most wedding businessy language, but they're just actual business language. And that's a little bit on purpose because I think we want to change that conversation a little. I would venture to say, if you're a wedding filmmaker, this might be the first time you've ever heard of any of these terms ever. Yes, at least in these contexts as a wedding filmmaker. So, you know, whatever. So the first thing 
that you and by the way i feel like this is in a specific order for a reason and we're going to get to that at the end of the episode but like if you are starting with the final one which is what most business people do or sorry most wedding creatives um the last two is what most people go oh what do i want to make and how much money do i want to make we are starting with customers that is the important thing it starts with customers and works its way to you instead of starts with you and works its way to the customer which is why like the ideal client conversation is not my favorite because that's pretty much based on you. Yeah. Does your wedding filmmaking business offer live streaming? Maybe you're just looking to get into live streaming. Wherever you find yourself today, one of the most overlooked elements of a successful live stream is securing a rock solid connection to your final destination. In that case, you should check out the Live You Solo. The Live You Solo offers bonded cellular streaming, which combines up to four separate internet connections into a single, fully redundant connection. Live stream with confidence to any platform from basically any location. This thing is battery powered, they're plug and play, and they're supported by LiveU's innovative LRT service. The LiveU Solo is perfect for any event videographer that needs an easy, on-the-go, reliable stream. Get one today. Quit teasing this thing and get to it. Customer segments. <laughs> so customer segment um, is really every organization serves one or more customer segments. And so this is how you're breaking up who your customers are and it helps you determine what each customer segment's needs are. So so you, we're gonna be giving, by the way, a document in this with some key questions you have to ask yourself about your business. And because there's nothing more that wedding creatives like more home, than homework. Well, right? of course, and yeah. documenting things and being organized. Yeah. That, that is what we're known for <laughs> as wedding, wedding creatives. Yeah. So, um, and so it really comes down to like, who am I creating value for? Who do I create value for? And so thinking about this first, and I brought this up to you before, who does a wedding filmmaker, who are their actual customers? And I think if we think about this, you're gonna realize you have more customers than you think. Yeah, the, the immediate thought there is, well, my customers are my customers, or no, my, couple, my couples are my customers, Yes. right? Who else? Like, uh, of course, uh, no there's one else. A, there's different types of customers, I suppose. Um, but there are also some other customers that I think um, a lot of creatives wouldn't think about, which ne aren't necessarily the customers, but they're probably a means to a customer, right? Well, they're buying something from you. They're just not using money. <laughs> okay, sure, sure. They're buying something that they get value out of. So mm -hmm. who am I creating value for? Is all Everyone you create value for is a customer. Yep. So... Literally, the mother of the bride is a customer. Not an overly important one sometimes because you've got to be careful with how much you cater it to someone who's not willing to put in. But like everyone involved in the wedding is a customer. And so this is, I think, where you can really affect your business in a really positive way. And this is where people sink their business. Photographers are customers. Wedding planners are customers. Venues are customers. Why? Because you create value for them. What do I need to, like, how do I create value for, how do you create value for those people? So, so once you kind of identify who these people are that you're creating value for and you change your definition, it's not just who's giving me money, but who am I creating value for? You're going to expand your definition of a customer and then you're going to look at value proposition. The second thing you need to look at is value proposition. And this is, you know, what problems am I solving for these people? What, how am I creating value for these people? So, so that leads me to 
we've identified, you know, wedding planners, photographers, venues as additional customers. Because at the end of the day, of course, like we know how we're creating value for a couple. We're giving them a wedding film, we're giving them photos. Yeah, that's obvious. Yep. But these other groups are less obvious, but if you think about it, you might change the way you operate your business. I, I think we create a lot of value for uh, people that make um, jewelry at weddings, just like oh, I, they wish I, we did. Yeah, <laughs> I just got an email from somebody who was like, "Hey, I created some two years ago from <laughs> two years ago. Can you uh, provide some value to me and send me some footage?" And I said, "No." <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, you're you're providing value to your planners, your photographers, other vendors, venues, um, by making things easier for them. We'll right? be really Not specific, like with our business. What is our value proposition to planners with Stop Go Love? I think if a planner reaches out to Stop Go Love, they're looking for um, somebody who's gonna make their life easier, and we do that a couple different ways. One is we're always available because we have a couple teams that we can run. So planners will reach out to us, like we'll get those initial like, year and a half ahead of time, weddings booked in the bag, planners will reach out and say, hey, are you available two years from now, whatever. But then they, they know they can also reach out to me three months beforehand and I'm gonna have a team ready to go. Yep. So so they don't have to email five different videographers to see who's available. They email Stop Go Love and they're locked and loaded the next day, ready to go. Yep. So that's a value, that's a very specific value. With a photographer, if a photographer um, is asked, who should we hire for videography? Photographer is going to say, "Stop, go love, hands down," because, uh, and, and they might even not explain this to the couple, but they'll just be like, "They're awesome to work with. Um, they do great work, whatever." But they, for them, they know that we're not going to be in their shots, that we're going to be easy to work with, that we'll reach out ahead of time and then talk about their kids, and it's just going to be a pleasant experience for the photographer. They are someone that we are selling to. Both of those things that you mentioned with planners and photographers, I think venues to a lesser extent. Um, like for instance, can you send them images and tag their venue? Yeah, social uploads, whatever. Yep. Those are value adds that you're getting and when you do those, they you're serving a customer base that will give you revenue. And I think just changing that definition early on will change your measure of success. If built into your business model is this idea that I must successfully win over photographers, planners, venues, and of course, people who want wedding films. It will change like, it'd be like, if you had a business model where you were like, I've seen this by before, where, where someone's totally okay with, as a wedding filmmaker, m alienating all the photographers in their market. It's the, literally the same as like, literally just not giving people their wedding films in terms of the effect on your business. Yeah, I mean, we know some videographers who have had riffs with photographers and the photographer ends up being pretty influential. And then that videographer might be like, well, you know, I see 30 weddings. Now I'm only seeing 20. Now I'm only seeing 15. Now I'm only seeing 10. Like it, that's the stuff that wears on your business over time. You might not see an immediate effect by it, but I promise you it wears on your business over the course of a couple of years until the point where maybe you can't even work anymore. Yes. And, and it, because they'll replace you with a new provider. Yeah. They'll yeah. replace you with someone who will be easy to work with, who they do like. Yep. Be because they'll replace you. Like those other people will replace you. And of course, like let's talk a little bit about customers, like the normal traditional customer, the one giving you money. Why do you think some people fail to think through like what does the customer actually want when they're coming up with their packages and their services for their wedding creative business? 
Yeah, I think most people, and the reason why it's so hard for most wedding filmmakers, creatives, um, to really see the client perspective is because just people in general lack a lot of empathy. Like we are, like we said before, inward facing. We're thinking about what do I want to create? How much money do I want to make? All these things. And that if that's where you're starting and not just thinking about like, okay, what does, what does a client want? Then, um, well, you made a great point. And I think it's something we've learned about as a society a lot in the last two years, which is like empathy requires listening. Yes. Listening requires information and effort. And the average person doesn't spend any time trying to understand their customer segments and what's available. So therefore they don't know where to listen. They don't have their ear to the right um, railroad, you know, to listen if it's coming. They're just listening to themselves. I was wondering where you're going with that one. Oh, so you do. You put your ear down. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, like. A lot to hear if a train's coming. <laughs> it's a maxim, trust yeah. me. No, I know it is. But regardless, it's like they're not listening to anyone except themselves. And so they don't even know what customers want. Like one of, with our own business, I've said to people, the average customer doesn't want what you're making. Like documentary edits. Yeah. They don't want that. I, Some I people do and they're willing to pay for it. Great. But like, trust me, we know because we have enough data. I promise you I have probably more data than you if you're listening and you're disagreeing with me that you can run a great business giving seven minute highlight films and that could change. Or we're gonna keep our ear to the ground and listen. But like we've found our customers don't want it. Maybe your customers do. We're not gonna make it. Yep. Remember when we first started, uh, we were doing, um, I think we were calling it a love story. We would make a video for them to play at their reception. Yep. And then, you know what we found out quickly is no one bought it. Just no, there was no interest whatsoever. So I think same thing with like same day edits, like just aren't, unless you're in South Korea and Indonesia. You have to do whatever the customer wants. Exactly. That's exactly. ultimately all we're saying is like, yes. we don't personally care what we make. If somebody goes, I want documentary edits. I don't, by the way, I prefer, cause I want to do things that require less effort to make the same amount of money, but I'm going to make whatever the market demands. And it's yes. based on that and the value proposition of the, like if they don't value it, I don't want to make it. Yes. And I think that's what it comes down to. So the third element of your business plan is customer relationships. And this is like, these things are established with the customer segment that you define. So how do you establish a relationship with each customer segment? And, and this, it can go beyond this, but everyone who's a wedding creative, your customer segments are at the very least couples, wedding planners, wedding photographers in venues at the very least. There might be a few other, but I think every single wedding creative has those customer segments. So I think this section is pretty nuanced compared to, and, and always evolving. Like all of this, it's always evolving based on what people really want. Like people want to text message more than ever. Like my clients want to text message, want to have that kind of relationship with me more than ever, not because they want to text me and find out what Netflix show I'm watching or whatever. It's, you know, they are near their phone. It's convenient for them. So they're going to text message me. How do I react to that? I admit like this part of like communicating and finding out what works best for planners, for clients, for photographers, like it's very easy for me to text message a lot of our photographer friends. Cause it's just like, we're shooting the shit. Like it's fun. Um, 
it's harder for me to text message the, the couple directly because I'm like, why are they bothering me at nine o'clock at night asking if we can connect this week? Like I told them to email me, <laughs> you know? And so there, there's a lot of things that are, are, this part's difficult for me because this is mostly what I do day in, day out. But you have to figure it out. You have to figure out what works and find, not necessarily, and, and by the way, I'm not saying you can't say no to certain things here and be like, but it's a matter of finding what works best for the client and then getting them to do what you want in a way that also works well, for them too. It's also about, again, we talked about the listening. Yeah. It's about determining what actually works best for each group because mm -hmm. they're different. Yeah. Like in my opinion, based on our customers, we can't, I can't speak towards all of your customers, but based on my relationships, planners, it's between email and phone call. If you really want to get stuff done. Yep. I, I there's also the idea of like just casual conversation. Like if you want a relationship with a planner, like being personable and continuing checking in from time to time, even when you don't have a wedding, just being personable. Photographers, if you could this is my experience, if I email them before the wedding, hey, I'm excited to work with you, that's pretty much all that's required. Mm -hmm. If I say like, hey, this is what I would like, they sometimes we text. Oftentimes I just email them, tell them excited to work with you yep. and they're like great this guy's a nice guy and that's all i need yeah and then of course show up the day of it's all about the in-person experience with those people yep um couples that's varied it depends on the couple yeah so it's like every customer segment you have to treat them differently and i think that is the key to like a wedding venue all that really matters with the wedding venue is that i show up and that the couple's happy and then i just tag them afterwards and I've sent them a certificate of insurance uh, in a timely manner. Like, honestly though, like this is something that we did that actually worked really well is we started sending our certificate of insurances before they even asked uh, a couple of years ago, especially the places that we were at a lot. Um, and that is a way that we're like, we knew that it would win us. This actually won us jobs because they were like, wow, those Stop Go Love guys for video, they're on top of things. I'm going to refer them. Like we've had Longwood events. Like a, a lot of places are just like, we're impressed by that. Cause then they didn't need to ask later. Or if they did ask later, because no one ever sends it beforehand. We are like, Oh, we sent it to you back in February. They're like, Oh yeah, I totally forgot. Like, thanks for doing that. Like, and then it's not, it's on my terms. It's not on, you know, when they want it. So, so yeah. you got to ask yourself this question. If you're thinking about your customer relationships, what relationship does each customer segment expect from me? Mm -hmm. You know, um, which ones have we established? How are they integrated into the rest of our business model? Like, how do I figure all this out? Like, ask yourself these questions. Think about each customer segment and ask the question, what relationship do they expect? Do they expect personal relationship? Do they just care about email? Do they just care about the day of? But in every area, consider it part of your business model. How you create revenue is through these relationships. Do you want, do, do you want to talk a little bit here about how maybe most customers don't care about a personal relationship with you? I mean, that's my belief. My belief is that I'm the help. And there are brands, customers, wedding creatives who build their business on another approach. And there are customers who want that. But I'm a, I'm a numbers guy. And so I look and go, what do most people want? That's what I want to do. Um, most people do not care about getting to know you in a personal way. 
But that, yeah, and that's the whole point, right? Is like you as a business owner have to figure that out. That's the whole point of this section is like, do my customers actually want to have me send them a Valentine's Day card? I'll tell you, most of ours don't. <laughs> or yeah, or, or do they? Did they forget my name already? And I'm just selling them a $6,000 wedding film and they're gonna reach out two months before the wedding or I'm gonna reach out two months before the wedding. They'll be like, hey, those Stop Go Love guys, they're really on top of things. Like, you know, they, they sent me that and that's all they care about. Like they, I'm reminding them of my existence and how professional I am two months before well, the wedding. Well, there are degrees and to this set. too, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, it's not like we treat them like inhumanely or like nobodies or no. we just don't even know their name Defining when we show the up. relationship. It's just like, how far does that really, how much of my time is money and I personally like to look at my time as an hourly evaluation so every time I spend money on something I needs to be I'm paying myself mm-hmm. so if I like if I was to sit down would I pay myself a hundred dollars an hour to hang out with this customer is it returning that value maybe maybe not but like for some of you it is for us it is not and we are willing to be just savagely honest about that that's a great way to put it. And like for us, we've tested it. This is what I'll tell you. If you're wondering if well, these guys, well, they don't know my my customers. My opinion, if I took your brand over and I just started not doing all the stuff you think you're doing that are adding so much value, like sending all these personal gifts and doing all this stuff that takes costs money, takes time, puts time is money. So it costs money, money. We stopped doing a lot of that stuff and hasn't affected anything. We booked more. <laughs> because we're focused on what's most important to people, which is serving them when they want to book. That is what matters to our customers the most is being present during the sales process. They want you to be caught, like they want you to respond to them. They want you to answer their questions. They want to buy it and move on. So if I'm after I already sold them a wedding, spending two hours of my time doing something that I'm hurting my next customer. So we've just found that and like, that's for us. So I would say like, this should be based on your personal strengths on some level in terms of customer relationships. If you're very personable, you might want to use that as an advantage in sales. I know plenty of wedding photographers, for instance, who are like, I never wanna book more than 20 weddings. I wanna sell a high value product and I'm able to charm a customer and be their friend. I'm not saying everyone is like us. I'm just telling you, this is what we know about our business. And for you, like, you better be able to back it up. If I tell you, like, no, that doesn't matter, you be able to, sh- you should be able to say, like, no, it does matter. And here's, let me show you five examples. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my customer, as soon as they got my seventy dollar bottle of wine, they posted it on Instagram, and I got five inquiries the next day from their friends. Or like this one <laughs> saying, customer, they want us. This. I sent it to five customers and I didn't send it to the other five. And the five who I didn't send it to gave me a bad review. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like so much crap in our industry. People are allowed to say whatever the crap they want to with no data. Mm-hmm. And then there's just, people are like literally listening to business advice from someone who sent five bottles of wine to people that sending a bottle of wine to someone got them a lot of clients. Yeah. And this is kind of getting sidetracked, but that's kind of the, the marketing thing like a lot of marketing is like unsaid and like hard to prove but you know people still do it anyways because they think it's making people feel a certain way right you feel cool it doesn't necessarily matter to the customer yeah but you should but my point is only this like i'm fine to be wrong about all this because if i'm wrong that matters to me right Mm -hmm. i i'm gonna start sending bottles of wine to every single person if it matters 
Yeah. And it should matter to you. Everything you do for your business matters. All of it has cost and all of it could be done better and it's all open to change at any given moment based on what a customer wants Mm -hmm. and what makes them happy and what actually adds value. And if it doesn't add value, you should be willing to cut it. That's all I'm saying at the end of the day. That's all I'm really saying. And the customer relationship is a big value add and it's one of the ones that I think is the biggest time suck that I'm oftentimes like, does your customer really care about this? Like they don't care, why are you doing it? The next thing is revenue streams. Every business plan has a concept of its revenue streams. And so of course, like Amazon is a great example. They have their store, right? They have their cloud hosting services. They have Amazon Prime TV. They have just Amazon Prime memberships in general. They have rentals that they sell on Amazon Prime, like movie rentals, very complex streams of revenue. Um, Wedding businesses are pretty simple, but I think like, what are the revenue streams that most businesses in the wedding industry, either photo or video, um, have? I mean, packages, pretty obvious. Yep. Uh, Packages of services. Maybe you have like an a la carte menu mm-hmm. that you can do. Maybe, I, I don't know, depending on your business, you could be even go outside of weddings. I think a lot of people do that as well mm-hmm. and say like, hey, in the off season, I do corporate work or whatever. But actually listing what these things are, I think is is pretty important. And also just scrutinizing all of these services yeah. of like what is actually being purchased and what is profitable. Um, and again, I'll say it a million times. We'll probably say it for each of these on the list. It's just, it's ever evolving. Like yep. what are people buying now? What are people going to be buying five years from now? And, and you know, adjusting it accordingly. By the way, for those that are listening on the podcast, um, you can head over to our website, weddingfilm.school slash resources. And uh, you can download this PDF. It has eight questions to help you create an awesome business plan for your wedding creative business. Yeah, so if you just head over to weddingfilm.school forward slash resources, and we got a bunch of other stuff on there, coaching, and just you should check out the PDF when we post it and and answer these key questions about each of these areas. But when it comes to your revenue stream and, and what you're selling, just trying to figure out what customers really value about what you sell, what are they willing to pay for what you sell, what are they currently paying or what are other people charging for it? Like be scrutinizing your streams of revenue to determine their profitability, to determine their demand, trying to figure out like, I think the goal of every business should be to sell um, only the things that people value. And if someone doesn't want it, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Cause it makes it complicated. It makes it look, it's just like, you can only keep up, you can only juggle so many balls and like, one of the things I see with like struggling or newer wedding creative businesses is like you go and you look at their packages, for instance, and they're just, their package progression is a mess as uh, Snyder talks about. And they don't really have a reason why someone would step up to the one package or the value is not obvious, or they're just like, they'll do something like gold package, platinum package, right? And the gold package has like, eight hours and all the same delivers as deliveries as the platinum package and the platinum package is two more hours of coverage and it's $2,000 more. And so you're saying, okay, can the customers will do this by the way, you're telling me that two hours of coverage is worth a thousand dollars an hour. It's not. People are, people are smart. And, and anyone who's a consumer dissects packages, dissects what they're actually consuming 
and will make those like it's just so second nature that people are just going to jump to those conclusions and like be like this is my best value like and and i would say a way to see what packages are working and what aren't is just by literally just counting them i don't think people count Track. how many yeah like if there's one package like we we with merriment films we just sold our very first one of a very specific package and i think it actually exists for that purpose to just be like so bare minimum that people are like oh i don't want that so it does serve a purpose yeah but i mean that's pretty much what we do with all our starting packages yeah. <laughs> and and, it, and it's just like i want that next one so it's it's i mean it's just the rule of sales everyone buys your middle package so it, it does exist for a reason but um i would just say looking at and evaluating all your different package progression i mean because if you're not doing it your clients certainly are they are yeah they are and you know it really comes down to this will help you solve market problems by the way like if you can look and try to understand what customers want, not just your clients, but like all customers, what is every customer that you could sell a wedding film or a wedding photography session to? What do they want? Can I solve a problem for them? Can I meet a price point while still being profitable that would be appealing to them? Or can I hit a market that's so exclusive and only I can meet that need or maybe I am uniquely positioned to step into and I can be really profitable you know, just looking at your um, revenue streams, your packages, and and trying to think, how does each stream contribute to your overall revenue? For us, we look at add-ons, right? All the carts, I want to, me personally, I want them to be 10 to 20, like somewhere between 10 and 20% of our overall sales. Some people, prints or all the carts are like 40% of their overall sales. And like both are fine. They do require different processes to produce. We sell ours via mostly automated or just in the initial call. Some people like, we're gonna bring you into the studio. We're gonna play the film for you. We're gonna go through the collection with you. Like think about this stuff. Yeah, what I think when people first start out, I feel like there's a, a certain pressure to just create a, a, a bunch of different packages, create five different packages, create a whole a la carte menu, create all these things based on pretty much no information, right? Yep. Yep. No information uh, of demand. Like what couples are gonna want, what what is gonna sell most in, in, in my package progression. And so I would say if you're first starting out here, I would say start out simple. Like simple. start out with your simple packages. And then as people are reaching out and saying, hey, um, I know that you have this package, but I, I would actually love to have a, um, let's just I hate them, but let's say a documentary edit. I would like to have a documentary edit added. And then you can decide, is that something you want to sell? And is it something that will make you money? You know, if you yeah, are, how much does it cost it. to even make that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you're seeing a lot of demand for it, like I, at first, I think we did that. And we had one person reach out and ask us if we could do a doc edit after maybe our first 100 weddings. And we were like, we could do that. It's gonna be a lot of money. But do we want to do that? No. So we just said, no, <laughs> yeah. we're not going to do it. We don't. And you know what? If customers ask for that, we're like, we're not the people for you. Yeah, just because I, I, I would rather actually doing the linear edits is more profitable for us. Because um, it's cheaper. It's cheaper to produce, and it's just more linear edits money. is what we call it. By the way, some yeah. of you might call it event edits. Event like edits, we, whatever. We yeah. just give them the ceremony as a separate file. We don't integrate it into a, like a music video style yeah. film. Yeah. 
Um, so, but, but deciding what is that, like we just had this discussion this morning um, for our live streaming, are, do we want to have an add-on of providing a speaker system, a PA system to our couples? And we were like, I was like, I think we should get it because I think we can sell a few of them. And if we spend $500, maybe we can make, you know, $2,500 on a year. But then you and I are going back and forth on, well, then we have to send a person that's going to cost us at least $100 for an hour worth of work, you know, plus travel, plus. And we're, we're deciding the merit of actually well, selling Well, and also, this. like, how many could I sell? And if five people ask them the same day and I have to say. Should we say, buy a $5,000 system or a $500 system? Like It's you know, all, like. It's it's all part of it. Like yeah. your revenue streams need to be thought out. There's a lot more ways to make money than you think. Most of us, it's going to be delivering initial packages, doing upsells, and then for if you're a photographer, it's going to be selling prints. Those are going to be your number one sources of revenue. But if you're a photographer, what are you doing here? Get Wedding out of our, get, get out, out of our here. show. Yeah. Um, but also stay because we like you. Yeah. Um, but like selling prints you can sell prints to the mom that's why i said they're your customer if you're a photographer every single person at the wedding is your customer because you can sell them prints yep and you can send them so like all this stuff you have to think about if it's a big part of your revenue stream so the next element that goes into a good business plan is just determining your key resources and so this is going to be you know what goes into all the previously listed things that we talked about all four of them like relationships revenue streams determining my customer segmentation all that junk right and it's like what are the key resources that our value proposition requires you know if i'm saying oh my value prop to customers is like an exclusive experience okay if you're trying to do like, for instance, let's talk about a luxury wedding filmmaker with a $20,000 deliverable. Cause we usually go away from that, but let's lean into that. If I'm creating a value proposition for that client base and I'm trying to determine what are the things that they need. They need a great website that shows proof of work, um, establishes my credibility as exclusive, has the aesthetic they're looking for, of course, and uh, makes it you know, easy enough for them to contact you. Probably they're not looking for price right away. They're probably looking for credibility. And actually, if they're a planner and I'm doing these $20,000 packages, they might just be literally going straight to my form because they're coming off a referral. But they want to see that I got my crap together so that if their client sees my website, they're not going to be embarrassed. Right? So, so like, and then of course, there's the relationship side. I get the client. What do I need to do to prove to them I'm a $20,000 wedding filmmaker? Do I need to send them a leather bound book with my prices in it? Custom proposals, which you do by the way, and not a leather bound book necessarily, but you need custom proposals if you're doing a $20,000. And when you deliver the proposal, it needs to be beautiful. It needs to show that you are tasteful because people are spending 20 grand on wedding films. They Maybe they're not tasteful, but they probably want to perceive themselves to have high taste, right? That's why they're spending 20 grand on a wedding film. And so like you're, you're done identifying all these elements. And of course they want custom packages that are customized to them. How does that differ maybe to a stop, go love clients? Um, when you're identifying what are the key resources needed to fulfill our customer demand? Yeah. So going from like a really high end type of wedding to like more middle tier is what you're asking. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, they uh, have different needs, different sure. resources are required to fulfill those needs. I mean, I, I think, probably uh, you still need a good website <laughs> uh, but it needs to differ in a key way 
it, it does need to differ in a conven- I think a convenience type yeah, of way. So, I think so. So yeah, in my in my opinion. So we want to make it convenient. So what we might do is we might put um, the pricing right on the website. For instance, um, we will. Um, I think it's, it's it's a little bit more accessible. It's not as uh, maybe light and airy stylistically that that is really only defined for like one type of luxury well wedding even client. look at how the packages are presented we'll put it on the screen but the way we present our packages yep i think we have maximum seven bullet points yep yep it's like it's all about ease of like they can go to the because we're mostly selling we're selling some to planners but good percentage of us is b to c right to customer mm-hmm. yep and so that customer goes they want to be able to shop that is their demands. That's the relationship we're establishing with them. Very, very upfront. Yep. This person just buys the thing. That's what we want. Mm-hmm. We want a customer who goes to our site, sees our stuff, knows what it is, calls us for the most part, understanding what we make and they like it and they're just ready to book for the most part. Would you say key resources is also the product that you're selling yourself? Like, like what is the actual It's everything material? required to deliver value proposition, to deliver your marketing, to deliver your relationship expectations. It's everything required to deliver your revenue stream. It's like, when I'm coming up with my business plan, what do I need to put together to make this? Yeah. Like, what are the resources I have? Yep. And what I need to deliver? And I think that leads actually into the next thing most of us have, Yeah. which is productions and processes. The next thing you need to ask is, okay, now that I know what my resources are, how do I make it? And I think, most people just literally start here. Yeah. So so key resources are really like the end product of your production. It's the requirements. And right. Yeah. Okay. And production and process is really what you would compare to like your uh, building materials, time, labor. Sure. All of that that goes into the actual resources that you're able to create. Your resources are the what. Yeah. And the production and process are the how. Yes. How yes. do I do this? Yeah. Sure. Right, you know, like, okay, so this is where most people start. Production and processes. Most people's business plan started with a production and a process. They looked and said, I make wedding films. I shoot photos. I like this type of photo. I have a camera. Something as simple as like, I like shooting slow-mo. So this is my style. You know, like all that stuff. They're not terrible, but I think this is a key weakness in a lot of people's business plans is that they start with what they want to make and how they know how to make it. And they don't often ask, do my customers, planners, photographers, wedding clients, venues, people that you need to impress and sell to, do they value it? Is it giving those people an experience that they are willing to pay for, refer me, whatever I need to get out of that relationship? You know, it's just like, no, this is what I like making. At first was kind of thinking like, well, why why would um, key resources be before production and processes? But key resources really, you want to define what you want to make before you actually make it based on the previous steps. So, yeah, what is required? Yeah. What are the materials? Like if, you, if you're like, in order to make a house made of ivory, I need this much ivory. Yes. And then you would ask yourself, how do I mill ivory? Yeah. But you wouldn't go like, I'm really good at milling ivory. I should build a house out of ivory. Yeah. It's like, well, no, there's not enough ivory to build your whole, you can't afford it. You can never afford it. If you made a house that expensive and you're a builder, no one would buy it. Yeah. It's like, 
if I shot every single, if it was like, I'm going to shoot all my wedding films because I really, uh, stop motion. I'm just going to fire off shutters <laughs> the whole time. It's like, you might want to do that, but you couldn't physically do it because you don't have enough card space or like, it's just impossible to produce. It takes too much time. And of course, no one would want to buy it. Yeah. Like, and I think people start here. They go like, I, I want to make elopement work because I like elopements. Okay, great. Some of you can. I promise you, not all of you can. I promise you, most of you can't actually run a business that exclusively shoots elopements. I actually promise you that anyone who says elopement on their thing in Clubhouse or on Instagram shoots plenty of non-elopements. Maybe there's like 10 people in the industry who are so in demand for elopements because they're the only people that they just don't have to do anything they don't want to do. Awesome for them, by the way. They created a brand for themselves that gets them exactly what they want. Most of us, that's not the case. Yeah, I agree. And like, you should start with the customers that are available. If I run the numbers and I say, there are 2,500 adventure elopement sessions a year, which I don't know, that'd be hard to determine, yep. but let's say you figure that out. I want 20 of them. Yep. That means that you want like 7% of the total market. That's gonna be hard to get. Yep. Like maybe you can do it, maybe you can't do it, but it's like, that's really what we're talking about here is like, how do I make what I wanna make? In order to determine that though, you first have to determine what do people want Yeah. and can I make it? You're talking about who is my customer and what do they want? How do I have to get that customer and, and sell what they want? Satisfy and then them. Satisfy them and then what are the materials that I need to make in order to get there, in order to get there, in order to get because there? Because right? if you do that, yeah. then you'll determine how much it costs. And yeah. that's what we're gonna get to at the end. Yeah. Can I afford to make it in a profitable way? It's like, is there a customer that wants a film shot 16 millimeter? Yep. Maybe, how much would I need to charge to actually get them? Because like we know it costs like a lot of money to yep. develop and digitize 16 millimeter film. So, so let's dive into to the, the actual uh, production processes. Like, so, so that's going to be, do I need staff? That's going to mm -hmm. be, do I have the cameras for it? What key activities that's gonna be, are required? Yes. Do I have experience in Final Cut Pro or, or whatever? What do I need a CRM? Yes. You do, by the way. Um, you know, what are the channels I'm communicating on? Instagram, Facebook, where do I need to succeed in my marketing? You know, what are the relationships I have to maintain and how are those relationships maintained? Like planners, you need to go to their planner parties. You need to reach out to them and say hi from time to time. You know, photographers, you need to be not a jerk to work with and be nice. Couples, you need to hit them on Facebook. You need to be at the knot. You need like, and, and there's two different elements here. It's like processes, that's kind of more processes. Production is kind of like the actual yeah, cranking course, on the like, actual material and then processes is kind of how you work on that material and how you get it to the right people. It's all a part of making the customer happy. Yes. They're not separate. Yeah. Like if you have this great, great deliverable that takes you two years to make, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's become a crap deliverable. Yep. So it's like a lot of people, they're not willing to count the cost. I, I mean, honestly though, it, I, I think this is valuable and, and all this, it does kind of like leak into each other, but I, I think it is important to kind of work through what all these things are and really do like a deep dive and, and just really look in the mirror of um, what your business is and like really defining 
the each individual section. You want to be how lean. They all you want to yeah. be a lean, mean sales machine. So cut the crap out. Do things that make you happy. Yep. And like I promise you, just killing yourself for something no one cares about is not making you happy. So yeah. the next one is really important, but we don't need to spend a lot of time on it because it's just really simple, but it is part of your business plan, which is key third-party partnerships. And this is going to be something as like simple as like, am I outsourcing my edits? Mm-hmm. Do I have a CPA? What are the third-party relationships you need? And some of them are things you might not think of. Like to me, I kind of think of HoneyBook as a third-party partner. They're our CRM. Yep. You know, they're part of how we run our business. When we have a problem, we're reaching out to them. We're talking to them. Vimeo, so like, YouTube. Sure. Yeah, who who are part of your, if you have associates slash a studio or whatever it is, are they contractors, are they employees, you know? Um, if they're contractors, they're third party. Yep. And so like, who are the key relationships you need in order to, and this is not like a customer is someone who is going to buy something from you. A third party and this is why it's different than me, like a photographer or a planner or whatever is like, you need these people to make those customers happy. Yeah. Right. So a virtual assistant, if you suck at getting back to emails, they are a key third party partner. Yeah. A third party partner really like serves you versus your, um, exterior planners, photographers, yes. whatever you're serving them. Yes, right. totally. Yeah. So I think this is a big thing. A lot of people go, they gloss over it. And then, and the reason why it's important to look at is because there will be costs associated with these people that need to be built into your, your package prices. Yeah. So like if every time you deliver a, f- a photo book and you don't know how much the photo book costs, and you didn't, or you didn't look at that before you determined the cost of the photo book, you could be selling something at cost, which is a waste of your time. You yep. need profitability built into every part of your process. And this is just, that's why I bring it up. Th- this part is overlooked because I think a lot of people, a lot of people listening to the show are self-operating and they feel like I am doing everything by myself and they don't really consider their partnerships here. They don't really like say like, oh yeah, well actually I should get a lawyer. I should get a accountant, CPA, whatever. Um, and I'd encourage you that this is a spot that a lot of people put off for a long period of time uh, with a lot of things. Obviously, if you're a videographer, you have Vimeo or wh- whatever, like, the, you know, maybe you have a CRM, but some of these exterior people consider them early because like a they lawyer. will make your life so much easier. And we say that all the time, but yeah, get a lawyer and a CPA like right away. Yeah. Even if you're just using them one time, just Once get a, a relationship. Year, have a retainer with them and just bite the bullet and do it. Cause then when it pops up, you need it, you have it. Great. Yep. So the last thing, all seven of these elements should finalize the actual most important part of your business plan, which is your cost structure. Like this is how much, you know, this costs to make. And I, I mentioned it all the time, what's your cost per wedding? You know, what's your cost per season? Like how much does this cost to make? Because the money left over is what you actually get to keep. <laughs> like you don't get to just, if I sell a $5,000 package, I mean, it's very conceivable that many people are working on like maybe 30% profitability, which is perfectly acceptable for a business, but not acceptable if you think 100% is, if you go into it with a business plan that requires 100% profitability, which is what a lot of people do. And then they're like, oh, I'm out of money. It's like, or like, oh, should I buy this gear? I don't know. What is your budget? <laughs> How much does it cost to make it? 
I don't think, and I would venture to say, <laughs> 95, this is just super. Totally made up number. Made up number. <laughs> well, based on 99 the to 95% uh, have no idea how much their hourly cost is to run or, their business. Or even like per job cost. Because we didn't, I don't think we even knew until two, three years ago. We yes. had maybe had an idea. Yeah. But. I think we have it down to like a pretty close dollar amount. I pretty much know at least how much it costs to produce every package that we sell. Yes. And and I know I can predict most of our costs for the year. Like pretty pretty good. And 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 this has helped us make a lot of strategic choices. It's like really like the questions you want to ask yourself with your cost structure are, you know, what are the most important costs inherent in my business model? You know, is that third-party contractors? Is that lawyers? Is that materials like prints? You know, do you need to buy, if you're a film photographer, you have to buy film at every wedding, you have to get wedding, you have to get that film, you know, processed at every wedding. That's a cost, that's part of your cost structure. Um, if you're a filmmaker and you're shooting every wedding and you're outsourcing every wedding and it costs you six, $8,000, whatever it costs you, that's part of your cost structure. If you have a retainer with your lawyer, that's part of your cost structure, and it goes into everything you sell. Like, if you shoot 25 weddings a year and you pay $2,500 a year to a lawyer, every single wedding you sell, it costs $100 for a lawyer. That's cost structure. And that is not the way people think about it. But it should be. They should, they should take that $5,000 package and lop 100 bucks off, and it goes lawyer cost. Facebook marketing. I'm spending $3,000 a year on Facebook marketing. I'm selling 25 weddings. You know, okay, 120, 110 bucks a year off the top of that package I sold. Every year I'm spending 10 grand on gear, doing 25 weddings at $5,000. Making 100 and, okay, lap off <laughs> like 500 bucks. What, as you start trimming that down, things start to become much more apparent. How much you're actually making in, then you can determine, do I need to make more of them to make what I want to make? Do I need to make it cheaper? Yep. That is really, this is what we're getting down to, guys. Making more money, taking more money home. Yep. And it just, at that point, once you get to this point, it really comes down to basic finances. It's, do I need to make a little bit more money or do I need to save a little bit more money? Yeah, am I spending too much? What do I need to lop off? And I think for most people... After you do all this, it just gets easier. Like, okay, I can look at all this stuff. Why am I spending so much money on gear every year? Do I really want to do that? Should I maybe cut that down from like $10,000 a year to $5,000 a year by just not buying every new camera that's coming? It, it forces you to ask the right questions mm -hmm. of your business, right? Yep. And it, forces, it gives you a path yes. to profitability Yes. and a path to taking more money home. A business plan will help you get what you want. Instead of just every year feeling like you're at the mercy of your business. Like in and, and this, when you do it ahead of time and then you magically watch it magically work, you're like, I think I'm going to have 20 grand at the end of the year that I can do to the distribution, which is tax exempt, well, not tax exempt, but I've already paid taxes on it. And I'm going to take this home. And if I only stick with the plan and I'm more disciplined, I'm tracking things, I get to take this money home. And at the end of the year, you do it. It'll blow your mind. It'll satisfy all the discipline that you put in to get it. If you go, I'm going to be nice to planners in this way strategically, and I'm going to try to actually bring down my cost of acquisition for marketing by, by treating planners the right way, 
like if if I am nice to planners, I can bring my cost of acquisition because I'm only using the knot down 30% because you're going to get X amount of planner weddings. Yep. And it happens. Yep. It'll it'll be like, oh, I'm gl- why didn't I just have the discipline to reach out to these 20 planners before? I, I was an idiot. You'll never go back. Yeah. It, it turns your decision-making into a big ship, which I think, you know, being a business, sometimes it's important to be able to make quick decisions that make a big difference. But a lot of times when it comes to spending, when it comes to saving, you really want that ship to be like, at the end of the year, we're making 20 grand. I may make a little adjustment. Maybe that goes up or down, whatever. But it allows you to weather things like the coronavirus, right? Like w- coronavirus came, hit our company. Obviously, like I, th- I think it cut our uh, the amount of work that we were doing down to like 25% of what we normally do. Um, so we had to be like, okay, if we are cutting down to 25%, this is how much money we're going to make at the end of the year. Is that enough? No. Okay. Do we need to cut down on marketing? Do we have to cut down on this? Do we, or do we double down on marketing? Do we do this? Because we are in a good position to take a, a higher um, percent of our market in the area because this is what other people are. It allows us to make those kind of decisions because we have all the information that we need and we know that a lot of people, guys, this is a big part of it too, is a lot of people out there aren't going to listen to this podcast. They aren't going to be able to make decisions like this. And you have a competitive advantage over them because you just know your business so much better than them. And you know their business because you know the customers. You're all going for the same customer. Yes, yes. And so like if you're just – one person's dealing with a hypothetical customer and the other one's dealing with an actual customer, which, which is based on like looking at the knot, going to the wedding report, looking at your customers that you already have, like figuring things out, trying to determine what people want. Yeah. Like – of course, you might be able to say, actually, I'm going to cut this out. I'm going to cut this out. This is what I'm mean. like, oh, you should be charging. You're destroying the industry. It's like, I made the same amount of profit as you. I just didn't waste my time on a bunch of crap that didn't matter. So I'm able to offer it at a better value and make customers just as happy as you are. That is the truth. Yep. That's yep. what we're all trying to do. Make profit, not gross sales. Gross sales are gross. <laughs> you want to make net profit, not gross sales in a... That is called making money. If I make a business model that costs a hundred grand and I make a hundred grand, I made zero dollars. Yeah, but you had a lot of fun along the oh, way. But I, and everybody <laughs> thinks I'm cool. It's like who cares? Like your your bills, like no one thinks that's cool long term. Long term profit is cool. Short term reputation is cool. So where do you want to be? I, this is not the podcast for people who want to be in the reputation side. This well, is the we want to be on the profit side. Yeah. And the profit side allows you to go to engage at Bahamar in the Bahamas. In December. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and that's something that we're just like, yeah, this is going to be freaking cool. This is actually freaking cool. And then also it's going to be very profitable. Well, and <laughs> I might be able to get to that 20,000. Like yeah. I want people to have what we have because I'm really happy. And I think what yeah, we have is same. great. And, and I think like everyone should be able to make a decision of, do I want to shoot 30 weddings or 10 weddings? Like that's the position we're in. What clients do I want? Can I turn this client down? We we do whatever we want with our business. Mm-hmm. Like and and because and we whatever we want in terms of and we also want to make people happy. But like we we're I don't feel like we're at the mercy of customers that we don't know how to make happy. Mm-hmm. I feel like the customers we have we're making them happy, and we're making ourselves happy. And I think that's what I want for everybody else. So that's really the point of this series. Your business plan sucks, which is 
really helping you kind of determine the elements of your business plan. And of course, this was your business model sucks. A business model will set you free to make long-term decisions. And I want to go into episode with like a little example of just, we always hear like the example of the archer, right? I don't know that example. They fire an arrow. And this is what a business plan will prevent. If you fire an arrow and you're one inch off, by the time it gets to your target, the farther away that target is, the farther off you will be. And a lot of people, they started their business with just a little off, a little off target with their customer, a little off target with their cost structure and their business model and how they actually create revenue. Like maybe they wanted to build a studio and they, and they, and they, and they act, that was their actual goal. And when they get to this successful place, it's hard to pivot. It's hard to pivot when your entire brand is built on you. And actually your long-term plan was that you wanted to get a team of people so you don't have to shoot every wedding. That is not going to be apparent until you get to the destination. And by that time, you could be a long way off. And so I want to encourage you, especially if you're starting out, realize you want to fine tune that aim as much as possible so that when you get to your destination, you're not so far off that you, it's, you can't even pivot. Did you make a Archer reference because um, guns are too controversial? Mm, no. I really was listening to that Gunger song one time. Okay. And it says, it talks about it's a long way off. Yeah. You start things a little off, and by the time it reaches its destination, it's yeah. a long way off. Totally. And I think a business plan, like, is the thing that prevents you from being way off target. Totally. And I think that's it. We want you to arrive where you want to go. I don't really care where you go as long as you get there and you're happy. That's it. Nope, totally. And and I mean, at the end of the day, you do see a lot of videographers who get kitty cornered into something that they don't want to be doing anymore, you know, because there's no way out. They don't see no a way, way out. out. They don't see it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, hey, if you had made this slight adjustment, if you had raised prices, uh, you know, uh, and bit that bullet a little bit because you had all this data backing you up, then you would be able to do more of the work that you want to do. It, it, it Maybe less of the work that you want to do. You'd have more of the business that you wanted. Um, and, and that's really the point of this is just we want to create the businesses that we want at the end of the day and have a business that runs and doesn't run us, right? We want the business to be running and serving us. We don't want to be serving. I own business. a business. The business doesn't own me. Yes. yes. And that's, that's what you want for you. This is not an industry that does that very well because we're driven by ego. We're driven by the idea of my ego's tied up in what I make and who I am. And, and it's partially a great thing. Like as an artist, we are defined by the art we create on some level. But I want to free some people up a little bit in that they're not torturing themselves. So if you're listening to this, again, like I always encourage, head to our website, weddingfilm.school. If you're like, oh, those guys are not total idiots. I'd like some coaching. We have business coaching available on there. It's, it's currently on sale at the time of this recording. Um, if you're listening to this in a year, man, you're going to wish that you jumped in on this introductory price. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, check it out. We're also going to have a downloadable in the descriptions on YouTube. If you're listening on the podcast, head over to YouTube, look up Wedding Film School, and you can download. We're going to have these eight elements and then some questions you can ask yourself to help determine. Um, I think this will be really helpful to you. Is just If you sit down 20 minutes, go through this little exercise, um, it's not necessarily going to be a finite thing. I would say it's something you need to do maybe every year until you feel like you've got it down. But just go out there, download it. Hopefully it helps out a little bit. Let us know in the comments if you found this episode helpful. Again, we're going to be doing more of these um, Your Business Plan Sucks episodes. 
Um, and this was your business model sucks. So hopefully this helped you define your business model a little bit. Like, subscribe, share, do the YouTube stuff. If this helped you out, let someone else know, hey, this was helpful. Have a great day, guys.